Like what you've heard? Listen again online at drewmarshall.ca. Well, folks, I am looking forward to this next interview. Since 1972, the man who scored the goal heard from coast to coast has become a Canadian legend. Paul Henderson is a member of several sports halls of fame and has had his image depicted on a Canadian mint coin even. The first time a living person other than a sovereign has been depicted on a coin. Just thought I'd throw that in. Just a few weeks ago, however, Paul was given some pretty tough news that he has cancer. And with Christmas upon us... Chances are that many of us have loved ones who also have that dark cloud of cancer hanging over their heads. So we thought we'd check in with one of Canada's heroes to find out how he's coping and how this news has indeed infected his faith. Uh, Paul's brutal honesty and spiritual transparency is going to be something that is going to impact you because he was not scheduled for the show this week. And then he and I had a brief conversation and we sort of caught up and I thought, wow, <laughs> we've got to get Henny on the show today. I appreciate your time again, Paul. How you doing, man? We're doing well, big boy. This is your third time. I tell everyone this each time you're on our show. You were my first ever guest. Uh, is that a compliment? <laughs> <or not? laughs> I, don't know. I don't know how you're going to read that one. Um, before we start into this news and your story and your journey, we have a special request, and I don't know if you're going to be able to do this off the top like this, uh, Paul, but our good friend Tim Miller here in the studio uh, grew up at Teen Ranch like myself, and of course we all heard your story, your rendition of Cinderella many, many times. <laughs> when was the last time you talked to people about Rindersella? Gosh, uh, you know, it's probably been 10 years. Come on! Oh man, it has. I can't. Uh, you can't pull that one out. Well, I don't know. I, I well, let me let me see here. I well, let me see. What did it go? Yeah. Once Utahna Prime, in a corn fun tree, there lived a beautiful girl whose name was Rendersella. Now she lived with her muggly other and two sigly usters. <laughs> also in the same corn fun tree, there lived a prince some hints. And one day, the Pransom Hints decided to throw a Bansy fall. And so he invited all the reeple from piles of mound, especially the pitch reeple. When Rindersella's muggly other and two sigly usters got their invitations, they went out and bought drancy fesses to wear to the Bansy fall. But Rindersella only had a ritty old dags to wear. So she cat down and shried and shried. But all of a sudden, her Gary Thought Mother appeared. And when her Gary Thought Mother waved her wagic wand, a, a Hicks White Horses, a Sig Boats, and a Drancy Thess appeared. And she told her that she could go to the Bansy Fall. Well, when Rindersella got to the Bansy Fall, the Pransome Hints saw her coming through a wooden window, and he invited her to Nance. And so they nanced and nanced all night. And they lull and fuv. They lull and fuv. But suddenly, the mid-clock struck night. Rindersella staced down the rares. But just as she beats the rotom, this is my favorite part. She slopped her dripper. <laughs> the next day, the Pransom Hints went all throughout the country looking for the 
beautiful girl who had slapped her dripper. When he came to Rindersella's house, he tried the slop dripper on the muggly other, but it fitted it. He next tried the slop dripper on the two Sigliusters, but it fitted it. He finally tried the slop dripper on Rindersella, and it fit did. As a fatter act, it was exactly the sight rise. Well, naturally, Rindersella and the Pransom Hints got harried, and they lived happily ever after. But the story of the Mori is, if you ever want to get a Pransom Hints to lull and fub with you, don't forget the slop your dripper. Yeah. <laughs> man, I can't believe oh, I did that. Oh, my goodness. Man, oh, man, I can't believe I got you. Well, I screwed up a couple of places. Yeah, but but it so brings memories of the campfire back from the ranch. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Back in the good old days when Tim and I were campers at Teen Ranch and the uh, Canadian legend Paul Henderson was hanging around, we were gobsmacked that you would even oh, yeah. talk to us, let alone spend time up at the... Uh, the uh, the old teen ranch. Boy, what some great experiences up there! Well, without right. Mel Stephen, I wouldn't be a Christian today. He was the guy that uh, spent two years uh, trying to convince a very skeptical <laughs> a person that there was a God and had a and wanted to have a relationship with me. But boy, he had the patience of Job. Uh, uh, and so I, you know. Pray for him every day to this day and support him entirely. Yeah. Uh, now, again, I, I, t I tend to mention things too many times, uh, the, the very similar, the same old story. But, Paul, correct me if I'm wrong, because I like that. Uh, uh, did Mel not say to you at one particular point in time, Paul, you are too nice a guy to go to hell? <laughs> well, if he did, I don't remember. <laughs> he, he, I, if he did say that, I don't remember. Oh, I, I'm not sure that Mel could even say that. He's no. such a... A gentle guy in a lot of ways, yeah. but uh, I don't remember that line to tell the truth. Well, listen, uh, it came to our attention through the grapevine up at Teen Ranch uh, that we should all be praying for one Paul Henderson because uh, had a visit with the doctor, and lo and behold, uh, cancer was found. How, no. long, how long ago did that happen, Paul? Uh, that was in uh, early November that uh, we discovered it. I have what you call lymphocytic lymphoma, uh, chronic leukemia. Okay, now is that... You know, every time someone gets diagnosed with cancer, we all want to know what kind it is because what we're trying to get to is how bad is it? Is this something that can be zapped and, and you know, no worries or, you know what I mean? Uh, no, there's no cure. Other than that, it's really good news. <laughs> yeah. it, it, uh, it's, uh, well, I, I mean, the future will tell. Right. Uh, we're, we're still in the, in the discovery stage here, and boy, am I ever on a learning curve when it comes to cancer. Uh, but it's something that's going to have to be treated at some point, obviously. And uh, there's a lot of disciplines, uh, protocols, and so that's what I'm looking at now. I, I do another biopsy on the 22nd on Tuesday, and if that biopsy comes back okay with the cancer that I have, uh, they monitor till it gets really bad. Like I have no symptoms whatsoever. I've never been in better shape, never felt better, never lost any weight. But they went in, and just as a part of my regular physical, they did an ultrasound in my stomach. And that's where they found the growth. And then I went and got a CT scan, and that really revealed them. They're under my arms and lymph nodes. And, and then they did, we did surgery, and they took a biopsy. And it's, uh, it's stage 4 cancer. In other words, it's extensive uh, through uh, my body. Right. And, uh, but if, this, if the biopsy comes back okay, it's still small cell. 
then they'll monitor me, do blood work every three months. And so the oncologist said I could go with mine, even though it's advanced. I might even go be able to go a year without uh, having to decide on uh, uh, on a protocol or treatment. Treatment, yeah. Uh, so that's what I'm hoping at this point. So then I'd get be a whole lot more knowledgeable of it and. Uh, to see what kind of a regime, and in a you know a year from now, the treatments might be totally different than what they would be today in terms of right. the research and that. So that's about where we are. You know, we've all been affected by cancer. Everybody knows somebody who uh, has had cancer, has battled it, or has died from it, or whatever the deal is. I, I remember, you know, even thinking back to the days when Daryl Sittler's wife Wendy was struggling through it, or when Mel Stevens' wife Betty, uh, or sorry Janet was uh, was struggling through it, and. Uh, uh, you know, I just told Chuck Ely the other day, a CFL uh, quarterback that we uh, all know and love, and, you know, just his face, the, the, it was like, wow, uh, I'm shocked by this news. It, it saddens people. And and yet when I was talking to you, you were just downright giddy. <laughs> and I don't understand this, uh, Paul. I played a lot of years without a helmet. That's, that's what I, <laughs> I had six concussions. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, to back it up, Drew, I, uh, at the start of this year, you know, I've been a pretty devout Christian since 1975, and I, I remember playing in early January. I said, Lord, at the end of this year, I don't want to be at the same space uh, spiritually as I am. I want to understand you more deeply. I, I want to be more intimate with you. And I started reading, uh, I decided I was going to read uh, Colossians 3, uh, a chapter I'd memorized in Second uh, Corinthians 5, a couple of my favorite chapters, although I got a bunch of them. And I was going to read them and pray them back to the Lord every day for 30 days, and I did that uh, at the start of the year. And it's basically Colossians 3, if then you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. And it goes on from there. And and Second uh, Corinthians uh, 5 is about, you know, your body uh, wasting away, but you're being renewed inwardly, and that's where I wanted to be. And so uh, what happened when I got this, uh, and it was a good year, and I, I run a men's group, and this fall we decided to go through in September a book by Mark Buchanan called Things Unseen. Mark Buchanan is an incredibly gifted writer. He's a pastor out at, uh, in Duncan. Uh, British on, Columbia. Yeah, in uh, Vancouver Island. And uh, I've spoken at his church before. He's just a terrific down-to-earth guy, but he's an incredible wordsmith. And uh, just a great, great thinking. He wrote another one on Second uh, Corinthians uh, or Second uh, Peter one, uh, things unseen. And anyway, but in this book, uh, uh, talking about things unseen. Well, the other one was uh, hidden before your eyes. So that's First Second uh, Peter one. But this was things unseen, and it talked about being heavenly minded. And like we were never made for earth, we, we're, you know, we're, we're made to spend eternity with God forever. And so, I mean, there was a lot of great things in there, but basically doing a lot of talking about heaven. And so we were on the last chapter, the last two chapters of this book, when I, you know, it was revealed that I had cancer. And so I think that I was prepared for it, uh, probably, and I'd been dwelling on that, but I can tell you unequivocally, when you get cancer, uh, and you know that, and when I first was, you know, we had no, I knew that I was full of it, okay? I didn't know what kind it was. I didn't know whether I had a month to live or three months or six months, and probably, you know, still don't even to this day. But it really crystallizes your, your thinking, uh, Drew, and uh, certainly I had a faith in God. And uh, I, uh, you know, and I said, well, Lord, I've been 
getting up in the morning and trusting you everything every day for 34 years. And I remember going over in my mind, and I, I've memorized a lot of scripture, and it's incredible how many times God in the Bible says, do not fear, uh, you know, do not worry, hmm. you know, trust in me. And in fact, he says, perfect love casts out all fear. And so I said, you know, Lord, I'm not the bravest person in the world, and you know that, uh, but I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to uh, help you. I, I'm going to ask you to get me through this uh, one way or another. And the interesting thing about it, Drew, is I've never been more peaceful and quiet on the inside in my life. Uh, the thing that this has done for me is the trivial is crystal clear today, and the important is crystal clear. It's amazing when you get, you know, where you know that you may not live that long, that you, you, it's amazing how that crystallizes your thinking. Yeah, you were sharing with me as we were talking the other day that you were sitting down uh, watching an episode of Friends. Well, I was just turned it on. Yeah, I turned the television in. I've watched Friends many times yeah. in the past and laughed at their jokes and everything. And I turned this on, and it was almost like, you know, and I know it was the Holy Spirit saying, you know, Paul, what would you watch this garbage for? <laughs> and, like, I couldn't believe it. I mean, there was just, a, and that's just a, a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. There, you know, garbage is garbage, and, uh, you know, God says stay away from that kind of stuff. And so, But it's more crystallized now because you're sitting there, I guess your, your brain is processing this, and your soul and your spirit, your guts, sort of saying, you know, you who knows how much time you really have, so why would you waste time watching Friends? <laughs> well, that's, that's about it, isn't it? And you know that, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, you always want to be a godly, holy person. And, you know, Second uh, uh, Corinthians 10.5, and it talks about, Paul is talking, he says, taking captive every thought in obedience to Christ. And I've also prayed that. In other words, God is concerned about my thought life as much as my actions. And, uh, you know, it's some dipstick in your car that's, you know, he's in the left lane and he's not driving. I mean, there's been times that I have been a little more uh, discourteous than... Uh, <laughs> You know, I don't have the, you know, when you call another guy a dipstick, and then, yeah. okay, Lord, this is not, well, anyway, you'd make excuses. for. I'd always make an excuse for myself. Well, the guy probably is a dipstick, you know. <laughs> you realize, Paul, I don't know, Paul, whether you understand this. Every week for the last seven years, I have closed the show by saying, if you're new to the country, get out of the left lane. <laughs> <laughs> so I agree wholeheartedly well, with the dipstick anyway. scenario. <laughs> But the difference today is that, uh, you know, uh, I will probably say, well, I wonder if that person just uh, was told they had cancer. Right. And, you know, it's amazing how, and the little things that used to irritate me, man, like I, like, I, like I laugh at myself today. Like, how could you have been that so stupid, Paul? Why would you let a stupid little thing like that? And unfortunately, Drew, this is where I always wanted to get in terms of my awareness of God, an awareness of his presence, an awareness of his Holy Spirit. And uh, a friend sent me a book that's called Cancer uh, and the Lord's Prayer. And this book, and the only time I ever pray, uh, prayed the Lord's Prayer would be in church when the, on Sunday in the whole congregation. I, I just never use it because I enjoy talking to God, and I do every morning, but I just pray to him my own words on that. But then this book explained the Lord's Prayer in a, in a totally different way for me, and now I probably play, pray the Lord's Prayer oh, probably 10, 12, a dozen times a day. Wow. 
and but I know what it means now when I, I'm totally different than just saying the words. You know what it means behind the words. And this little book, and I think God has brought a lot of these things across my path. But the but what I'm saying all this is, the start of the year I said God, I, at the end of this year I don't want to be you know where I was at the start of the year. And boy, I'll tell you what. Uh, in fact, I've been able to write in my journal uh, in several days. Lord, thank you for giving me cancer because I would never have gotten there on my own. I know how self-centered I am and how, uh, you know, And uh, but I, there is this wonderful inner quietness and peace that I don't have to fear the future. I know exactly where I'm going. I really believe Psalm 139 says that uh, God has ordained the days that he's uh, given me. And I, I'm firmly convinced that I'm not going to live a day longer than God wants me to or a day left. Okay, well, that's the thing inside of all of our heads. We understand the plan, I think, as Christians. We understand that uh, God knows exactly when your life on this planet is going to expire, and it's not going to be a moment less or a moment later or whatever. And, it, you know, we run through practically that. It, we run that through our head. But then emotions and scenarios start to come into our frontal lobe and we start thinking well what about my daughter or leaving the children or the grandchildren or i'd like to be able to be alive for my my daughter's wedding or my son's this or or my how my wife what if i you know if i leave her but how is she going to cope and all these that's where the emotions start to come don't you think oh there's no question about that at all there's no question about that but you know and uh, but the other side of the coin i've always prayed that i would die before eleanor because I know I will get along, she'll get along a lot better without me than I would without her. You're such a wimp, eh? And, well, there you go. <laughs> and, uh, but the, the, the I, I mean, we're emotional people. Yeah. But I think, though, Drew, you know, and I think it's different for me because I've really been on a burn for the last 34 years. Since I've become a Christian, I spend time with God every day. So, and my pastor said to me, Paul, you've been preparing for this for 34 years. Like you have built up an intimacy with God. And so I said, I know I can trust God with my wife. If I'm not here, I can trust God to take care of her. I can trust God to do everything that needs to be done. And uh, and at some point, I mean, I'm going to die. I mean, and uh, like I'm going to be 67 next month. And Drew, like, you know, it's really sad. I can't think of anything I need, and worse than that, I can't think anything I want. Like, I don't know anybody that's been more blessed than me. And uh, and so, like, I, I've, you know, I've done, I've experienced everything that life can give you. So I've got no complaints. I mean, I could die tomorrow, and I could tell Eleanor, I'll probably, with my genes and my, with the, my DNA, I'm probably going to die of a heart attack before I die of cancer. Well, yeah, because I think one of the first times you and I spoke on the show, we talked about your your history, and of course, your father died at what age from a heart attack? Uh, Forty nine. So, really, you sort of been preparing to die, uh, I guess, at, at any moment uh, from a heart attack. So, this maybe that scenario or that thinking or that that uh, thought life throughout the years has prepared you for this, or no? Well, I would say so. Well, I, another thing, too, though, I think there's a lot of things going to... Stephen Covey wrote a book, oh, this is, you know, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. It was an excellent book. But one of the points is there, he says, start with the end in mind. And I remember when I read that book, and that's probably 15 years ago, I read the book and I said, okay, start with the end in mind. I'm going to go to my funeral day, 
And uh, what do I want my wife to say about me? What do I want my children to say about me? What do I want my friends to say about me? But more importantly, what do I want God uh, to be able to say about me? And so I think that, and you know me, I've always I talked about finishing well. Uh, I didn't start well, Drew. I didn't become a Christian until I was 32. And so it, it's always been important for me to finish well. And so I think when you get up in the morning and you recognize, and I fully recognize this, that, uh, in fact, my youngest sister died just a year ago, three days ago, at 48. She mm. took a heart attack and died. My youngest sister was only 48. And so, but I think when you get up in the morning and you know this could be your last day and you want it to, you know, you want God to be pleased with it, you learn to live in a way that's trying to be pleasing to God. Yeah. And, uh, and boy, I tell you what, though. You never arrive. Like no one will ever be, no one ever will be arrive at, at spiritual maturity as you know got your act together, and that's that's good news and bad news. The, the good news is, which I get excited about, you can always get better. You know, you can always go deeper with the Lord, and obviously He has shown me this is where Paul that I think you've wanted to get. But I can tell you, Drew, if I live another twenty five years. And I get closer to the Lord every day for the next 25 years. I will still be a, a million miles away from really grasping who God is. That's how incredible a God we serve, I think. Folks, on the phone with Paul Henderson. Many of you know that name from the great 72 match against the Russians. And, of course, Paul's scoring the winning goal. But Paul has gone on to become so much more than that moment. He has impacted the lives of thousands, especially guys. As a matter of fact, let me just say this categorically. You have been the most irritating, in-your-face, <laughs> defecator get off the pot is the only way I can say it on air right now, kind of guy. Uh, one time you were you asked me about maybe joining one of your Bible studies, and I found out it started at like 6.30 in the morning. I said, forget it. <laughs> There's no way. But you've been doing this forever, and you have really gotten up in the grill of more guys uh, I think that's the legacy you're going to leave. I don't know what you've got planned for your epitaph or if you've thought that far ahead, but aside from the great Groucho Marx quote, told you I was sick, I, I don't know. I don't know what is going to be put on. You know, How will people remember Paul Henderson? I, I guess well, what I'm trying to say is that you really have motivated people towards a solid relationship with God. Well, I think I've, I think if you would ask the guys in my men's group today, I'm a little mellower than I used to be. I hope you know, so. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, I was, uh, you know, back then I had all the right answers and I knew everything that what people should do. And, you know, as you walk with the Lord for a while, you know, God just sort of whispers to you, Paul, you, you just love them. Yeah. Just love them. Encourage them. I'll, you know, I'll give them the tune-up, but, you know, well, of course, I've tuned you up a couple of times in the past, and, and, and uh, you know, that sort of was sort of a, my makeup, but I'm doing a lot, like, i got to tell you, Drew, I'm not tuning near as many people up anymore. I finally realized, Paul, you just get on your knees, you pray for them, you encourage them, encourage them to take time with me, and I talk to guys now about, guys, without solitude and silence, without slowing down and getting face-to-face -face with God all by yourself in, the, in your own room or your own space, that's where you get to know God. And you'll never, ever get there without uh, other people around you. That's why I will always be in a men's group. 
I mean, I just love my men's group. We get together, uh, 10 of us get in there, and we wrestle with the issues of life, just like you do on the show, and you have free-for-alls, and, you know, you want to talk about this. And, and that's basically what I've been trying to do with men, just, uh, well, I guess for a lot of years, forcing them to memorize Scripture and them and really, really getting on them about spending time with God. But uh, you will never, ever regret the time you spend with God. You just will not. I've never, ever had a person ever come to me and say, Oh, Paul, have I ever been, I mean, this spending time with God is just, I mean, it's the pits. You know, and uh, Paul, boy, am I ever glad that I, uh, am I ever sorry I started tithing. Man, I just, I just can't. You know, every yeah. guy that's done that, every guy that started to tithe, every guy that started to be using their gifts, I mean, that's what gives purpose and meaning to life, using your life in a fairly, you know, in a way that God could uh, use you. And sometimes it's just giving a, a glass of water. Sometimes it's just putting a, a, your arms around a buddy and giving them a hug. It, you know, it's just being sensitive to where the Lord is uh, uh where he's got you at that moment. Okay, rounding off this interview here, and, and again, thank you so much for, for coming on. It was a total last-minute thing. When I spoke to you the other day, you kind of you, you blew my mind. I thought, we've got to have Paul on, because, you know, Christmas is here, and this is a tough time for a lot of people, because either A, they have cancer, or B, they love someone who has cancer. Yep. So let me finish this, uh, I guess, by, by saying, what do you say to those people? Right now, as we're coming into this holiday season, either they have cancer or they love someone who has cancer. Well, there's always hope. Like, you know, I think when you lose hope, you lose everything. But are you saying hope that they won't have it anymore? No, hope no, that no, 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 no. Well, I think you can have that hope, yeah. I think there's a hope. I would hope that, you know, my hope is right now that they'll find a cure Uh in the next few years that I, I may be cured of that. I mean, man, I'm, well, you know, the wife I'm married to, I'm not very excited about leaving her, and yeah. I've got grandkids and that kind of stuff. But th- th- there's a hope in the future. Like, there's, I, I, I believe, I, I truly believe this with all my heart, that we were never, this is not the game, Drew. This is only the warm-up. I believe that God has got an eternity prepared for us. And, and the greatest thing about it is we can't earn it. It's free. We just have to put our faith and trust in Him. I mean, that's why I believe in Jesus Christ. That's why I'm a Christian. He loved me so much that He came to earth and willingly died uh, for me. And I'll tell you what, for the first 32 years of my life, I was a, a jerk. And for a lot of years after that, I think I'm finally starting to get a little grasp of what it means to be a, a godly man, a holy man, somebody that thinks, uh, you know, thoughts are pretty pure most of the time and so the hope is that and even if i die like and i know i'm going to die someday and uh, but the future the hope is in the future and in in down here john 16:33 and i get our men to memorize this verse cuz it's one of my favorites jesus is talking to his disciples his very best friends and he said gentlemen these things i've spoken to you that in me you may have peace because in this world you will have trouble, but you can take heart because I have overcome the world. In other words, Jesus is saying there's no such thing as a wrinkle-free life. There are going to be tough times down here. There's going to be tragedy. There's going to be sickness. And I know there's a lot more godly, godly people than me that have died of cancer. 
but our hope is that in heaven there'll never be a tear shed. I mean, it'll be beyond belief. And so that's what I keep out in front of me. Yeah, I may die here. I'm going to die sometime. But there's no sense. You know, God says, do not fear. And I know that fear only comes from the devil. He is, if I start being fearful, if I start being worried, that is not from God. And I go back, and, you know, there's obviously the 23rd Psalm. What a great psalm that is for, for people that have cancer. Hmm. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And, and so, you know, I just refuse to fear. And so, but today, like, I'm taking my wife out. We're going dancing tonight. We're going out for a nice <laughs> dinner. And, man, I'm going to grab a hold of that woman, and I'll tell you what, we're going to dance up a storm. Oh, and then I'll worry about tomorrow when it comes. Yeah. You know, so that's my philosophy. Well, I can't imagine that the one and only Paul Henderson has much left in his bucket list. I mean, you probably back in the day had, I'd like to score a crucial winning goal in, you know, some Team Canada World Cup-y kind of thing. And, okay, check. You know, I'd like to be depicted on a Canadian mint coin. Check. Uh, what do you got left? Well, I, we've never been to Israel, okay? That's the only thing. We are going to Israel. Daryl Sittler and his wife and Nora and I are going over. We're going to spend eight days in uh, in Israel, and, and that's the only thing that I could think that I wanted to do. And so, man, am I excited about January 23rd. So I don't care what kind of uh, uh, results I get from this oncologist. I am not taking treatments till after. <laughs> after Israel. <laughs> after Israel. <laughs> Well said. Paul, as usual, you are a courage infuser. Thank you. Well, thank you, my friend. I think that's a gift from God. Yeah, well, for sure it is. For sure it is. Bless you. We will continue to pray for you. Folks, uh, I would ask you to do the same. Pray for Paul and Elner and their family as, uh, as they go through this, as many of us have had or will go through. So thanks, mate. Yeah, you're welcome, Drew. You take care, buddy. You're doing a great job on there. Merry Christmas, Annie. Yeah, you too, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Wow. There you go, folks. Paul Henderson. He is a class act. And uh, I was serious when I, I asked for you to keep he and his family in your prayers. Um, yeah, I lost my mom to cancer when I was 22, a lot of years ago. Same night my son was born as well. So that was a fairly heavy, heavy time. Anyway, I think we need to just mellow out when it comes to Christmas time and think about these sorts of things because Christmas isn't all, you know, uh, candy canes and lights. It's a tough time for a lot of people. So bless you all. We'll be right back. Stay with us. You're listening to The Drew Marshall Show on Joy 1250. 